Chapter Sixteen of Unknown London, written by Walter George Bell. This LibriVox recording is in the public domain. Recording by Janet. Chapter Sixteen, Letters from London During the Great Plague. John Allen, minister of the gospel and student of medicine, wrote these letters in 1665 when London was sick and dying of the Great Plague. Fires, like funeral pyres, were kept burning in the streets, adding a foul smoke to so much other foulness. The streets were mostly empty, for few people ventured into them, and then furtively, suspicious of every passer-by. Once the citizen was out of doors on some needful errand, his fears were made plain by his progress, corkscrew fashion, as he crossed and recrossed the road times out of number. This to avoid even a meeting on the same side with some other person approaching. Human beings are by nature neighborly. The isolation among them, born of this awful visitation, the dread of contact with one's own kind as with a leper. The hideous selfishness of the time, self-centered wholly on maintaining one's own existence, these were as horrible as were the ghastlier tokens of death striking down men a thousand daily. London was a city of prisons, the locked and guarded dwellings of citizens into which plague had entered. A watcher stood before each door, ready to fetch the bare necessities for sustaining life for the stricken prisoners within, but never loosening the bolts. He took his instructions from a safe distance, from a casement window thrown open above. On door after door was marked with chalk a red cross, and the plaintive words, Lord, have mercy upon us. There were doors in these spectre-haunted streets which never opened till the dead cart came on its round, and the bodies, those of a whole family, were brought out and unceremoniously added to the heap already collected. Then the cart trundled away for the pit. There was no time for ceremony, nor, with death so common an occurrence, the mood for it. Over the city was a strange, uncanny silence, broken only by the dirge of the church bells. Traffic had disappeared from the streets, and by withdrawing accentuated the city's apparent emptiness, a big city even in 1665, with all its activities suddenly stopped. Shops were closed. A goodly part of the population had fled. There was not even conversation, the pleasant sound of human voices. London had become a tomb of the living and the dead. Its one great artery of communication and of commerce, the River Thames, had the same oppressive quietness as prevailed among the buildings, the boatmen having moved upstream, taking wives and children with them away from the infection. Londoners heard with the distinctness that was arresting the rush of the rapids between the starlings and piers of old London Bridge. John Allen had mentioned in his letters, they deal with many topics, that severe winter frost, starting about Christmas, 1664, 
had continued almost without a break till april then on the twenty seventh april he gives casually in a sentence as if of little importance the first indication of all that was to follow i heard yesterday there are two houses shut up in drury lane for the sickness he wrote much the packets number in all one hundred and ninety letters extending over ten years something impelled him to write and frequently when the plague was raging at its worst probably a longing for human intercourse and sympathy even though he knew people are brutally frank at such times that his letters were received with dread lest contagion should be carried on the written sheet surely if my friends be afraid of my letters i would not be afraid of theirs he writes in one half reproachfully out of his solitude john allen was a parson ministering at the quaint old sinkport town of rye till in sixteen sixty two the conformity act put the problem of conscience nakedly before him could he serve god and do what man required of him he decided that he could not and his name has honourable place on the roll of those many hundreds of devout and brave churchmen who went out into the wilderness at the great ejectment his journeyings brought him to london and there he took up the study of medicine he addressed his letters which are still preserved to two friends he had left behind at rye philip frythe a solicitor and samuel jeke the historian of the sink ports and they reveal a somewhat surprising personality surprising that is to us at this day though no doubt common enough two and a half centuries ago for john allen priest of the anglican church a man of education probably trained at college a lettered man held strange beliefs at night he looked out upon the stars intent on divining from them the decisions of fate he dabbled in alchemy with something of the unbeaten faith of the old searchers after the secret of the transmutation of metals and his astrology and alchemy mixed together in a curious pottage with those medical studies by which he hoped to give benefit to suffering humanity he writes no connected narrative of the plague in certain letters especially when the infection came nearest to his home the absorbing topic occupied all his attention but at times the mention is most casual merely the number of deaths in london for the week recorded in the published bills of mortality the reader often is annoyed at omissions of what might have been told but there is enough remembering that these are original letters by a man who lived through the plague the world knows that time of horror only from defoe's journal of the plague year a work that owes its apparent authenticity to the author's art alone assisted by copious quotations from printed and manuscript records at his hand much unprofitable ingenuity has been spent in seeking to establish that h f the reputed writer of the journal was defoe's uncle henry foe the book was given to the world as fiction allen is worth attention as fact may twenty sixth 
ye sickness is said to increase in Holland, as it also doth here. Ye bill mentioned three last week, and fourteen this week, but it's rather believed to be treble the number. At ye upper end of the town persons high and low are very fearful of it, and many removed. One house, if not two, are lately shut in Chancery Lane, and one about Cripplegate. June 26. I hear ye general bill this week will be about 2,500. I thank God I go about my business without any slavish fear of it. Yet my body too apt for such a disease, which proves very mortal where it comes. Many whole families of seven, eight, nine, ten, eighteen in family totally swept away. I think there is no fleeing from God's hand, and truly this sickness, so highly pestilential, in some places speaks it to be more a judgment than anything else. And true repentance is the best antidote, and pardon of sin the best cordial. July gave fearful indication of the terrors of plague, the deaths attributed to it that month having numbered 4,119. But there was to be a startling leap up from these figures. On the 11th August, Allen writes to Frythe, who evidently had suggested his flight from London. I shall not think myself safer there at Rye than here, whilst my call is to stay here. Yet I am troubled at the approach of the sickness nearer every week, and at a new burying place which they have made near us, and with some piece of indiscretion used in not shutting up, but rather making great funerals for such as die of the distemper, which yet I think God will not put an end to till sin be left and suppressed more than it is. But God seems to pursue a design which doubtless he will effect before he hath done 4,030 in all, 2,817 plague. August 18, 5,319 this week's bill in general. Mr. Sidney Porter, Mr. Miller's brother-in-law, died last Tuesday. I am afraid to write to Mr. Miller of it, lest he should be afraid of my letter but pray let him know of his brother's death. August 24. I am through mercy yet well in midst of death, and that, too, approaching nearer and nearer, not many doors off, and the pit open daily within view of my chamber window. The Lord fit me, and all of us, for our last end. Here are many who are amulets made of the poison of the toad, which, if there be no infection, works nothing, but upon any infection invading from time to time, raise a blister, which a plaster heals, and so they are well. Perhaps I may by ye next get the true preparation of it, and send it to you. I saw this day some prima materia in our streets. Let us not, presuming on the fuller knowledge that now is common property, call the honest man quack. The ex-vicar of Rye, a scoffer, as above made plain, at simple folk who placed their faith in the toad amulet, was himself an earnest seeker after the true elixir that should conquer the plague. On the essential merit of cleanliness, sanitation, fresh air, purity in food and water, he, 
in common with medical men of his age, had no enlightenment. His mind confused with alchemy and astrology, he believed the cure would be found in an extract from the little plant growth best known as califolium. It fell from heaven in the night, was once the popular belief. The plant, which is indicated so often in these letters by the general term materia prima, was the tremella nostoc, lin. It appears in summer after rain on sandy and parched soils, is agitated with a tremulous motion when fresh, and is so frail that gatherers must be out before sunrise. Once heated by the sun's rays, it dries and shrivels up, and nothing remains except some membranes brownish in color. Distilled, the plant yields a dark fetid oil, believed by the alchemists to contain the universal spirit, which, when extracted pure, would be the solvent of gold so long sought after. Allen employed a man to gather the plant for him, and moreover, pestered his correspondence for supplies. In the true spirit of the scientific inquirer, he asks also for the moss that grows on dead man's skulls and bones, instancing a certain churchyard at Winchelsea where it might be found. That churchyard can have been kept with little reverence. He resumes the story of a stricken London in his weekly letters of the 29th August. Meantime, much has happened. The troops had been moved into Hyde Park. The court of Charles II had gone first to Hampton Court, and thence to Salisbury, but on the appearance of plague in that cathedral city fled precipitously to Oxford, whither the Michaelmas law term was ordered to be taken, and a royal proclamation was issued, directing Parliament to meet there. August 29th, ye sickness here is very much increased. This week, I fear ye, Bill, will be near double the former, and truly I know not how to think it should lessen, when, as the greatest thing done to stop it, fits taking ye fanatics out of their own houses, and sometimes caught meeting and carrying them to infected prisons, of which we have none free, will be found in the end to heighten it though it's said one major of ye soldiers hath threatened by that means quickly to drive that plague away. Remember that there will be little prima materia found after a rainy, but most in a dry night after a rainy day or weather, the wind southwest. That month of August 20,046 persons had died in London. September 2 Ye sickness increased very much last bill, fitzed 1,928 increase. Ye total 7,496. Of ye plague, 6,102. Since that bill, I have not particularly heard anything whether still increasing or not, but fear by the doleful and almost universal and continual ringing and tolling of bells it doth increase. I am sure it approacheth to me, I mean my concernment, for it hath pleased God to take from me the best friend I have in ye world, and one wherein my children, he had three, 
stood as much concerned as in myself with reference to what they should have expected from the relations of my wife. It is my brother, Peter Smith, who is abroad on Lord's Day last in the morning, towards evening a little ill, then took something to sweat, which that night brought forth a stiffness under his ear, where he had a swelling that could not be brought to rise and break, but choked him. He died Thursday night last. I bless God I am well, was not with my brother after we see what it would be, as little else upon every distemper here can be expected. It is a great mercy now, counted to die of another disease. September 7 to Frythe. The increasing sickness hath now drawn very nigh me, and God knoweth whither I may write one more or no. It is at the next door on both hands of me, and under the same roof, but I have no place of retiring, neither in the city nor country, none in heaven nor earth, to go on to, but God only. The Lord lodge me in the bosom of his love, and then I shall be safe, whatever betides. If I live, I hope to have some materia prima from you. If you could enclose a little dust in a letter, I shall be glad to receive it. Figures this week. 8,252. Of plague, 6,978. It is truly still increasing. These three days hath been sea-coal friars made in the streets about every twelfth door, but that will not do ye work of stopping God's hand. Nothing but repentance will do that, of which no sign yet, but oppressions, and yet increasing. With increasing heat and continued drought, the plague grew in virulence in the first weeks of September, and the death scaled ever higher. Not a cloud drifted across the blue sky, and the sun scorched down upon the fever-stricken city. Rain fell at last on the 15th of the month, putting out the fires in the streets and bringing new life to the parched grass that had grown up unchecked between the stones. The temperature fell, and the bills began to show a decline, but September, by reason of the vast mortality with which it was ushered in, has the worst record of the plague year. Allen at this time tells the facts of a medical investigation and its frightful sequel. September 14. This sickness, though more die, because more are infected, yet, thanks be to God, is not so mortal as at the first, for more recover of it now than formerly. If we knew how to trust the bills, it is decreased in the general. The general bill is 7,690 buried this week, whereof of the plague 6,544. Our friend, Dr. Starkey, is dead of this visitation, with about six more of them chemical practitioners, who, in an insulting way over other gallinists, and in a sort over this visitation sickness, which is more a judgment than a disease, because they could not resist it by their galenical medicines, which they were too confident that their chemical medicines could do. They would give money 
for the most infected body they could hear of to dissect, which they had, and opened to search the seat of this disease, etc. Upon ye opening, whereof a stench ascended from the body, and infected them every one, and it is said they are all dead since, the most of them distractedly mad, whereof G. Starkey is one. I hear also that above seven-score doctors, apothecaries, and surgeons are dead of this distemper in and about ye city since this visitation. God is resolved to stain the pride of all glory. There is no boasting before him, and much less against him. Again about a week later, he writes to Jeek. September 20. It is somewhat refreshing to me to think you are yet willing to receive a line from me. It was an affliction to me that I knew not to whom I might send a letter with acceptance, except Mr. Frythe only. I am afraid that some of my friends there are this day too much afraid where no fear need to be, for were my pen infectious, my hand would soon let it drop. Gracious Mr. Cobb, one whom God sometimes employed in the work of comforting and supporting others in this dark and gloomy day of the Lord, who yet fell by this sickness, and last Lord's day entered into his father's bosom. Clouds are gathering thicker and thicker, and I think verily the day of the Lord will yet prove more blacker. Whither the Lord will make good, that word spoken by a child here concerning the increase of ye plague, till 18,317 die in a week, which all endeavors are used to conceal, though still goeth on in reality to increase it. And that word, too, of a year's time of great and sad persecution, spoken by ye same mouth after death had once cooled it in this visitation, time will show. Did ever the brain of Edgar Allan Poe yield anything quite so morbid as the doctor's story just told? Even more gruesome, badly phrased as it is, is this of the child, stricken dead with plague, yet after death prophesizing by word of mouth another year of great and sad persecution before the plague should be lifted from the city. Distraught minds gave willing belief to the most incredible things. The public desired marvels. A blazing star had appeared in the skies, visible till daylight, a month before the plague struck London. Mr. Secretary Morris's cistern of water turned into blood during a night. Lily, the popular astrologer, soothsayer and charlatan, had an eager audience for his almanacs and writings. Allen's next letter to his friends, after two days' interval, reports the week's deaths in London to have been 8,297, of plague 7,165, and on the 27th September he writes, I am where ye Lord hath hitherto, amidst one hundred dying weekly, preserved me, and yet through mercy am in health, the Lord be praised. The Lord hath decreased this week's bill, 1,837, there dying this week, 
but 6,460, plague 5,533, and in our parish there was 50 decreased. But it is still very hot near me. I fear it will increase with you. If you send any prima materia in a glass, I pray cover it over with paper, and double seal it that nothing of it be seen. The worst was over. In September, plague had claimed in London 26,230 victims so attributed, and probably by far the largest proportion of others whose deaths were accounted for by various causes in the bills of mortality. Safe himself, Allen imparted to Frythe at Rye the precautionary measure to which, in part at least, he attributed his own immunity. Friend, he writes, get a piece of angel gold, if you can, of a Liz coin, that is ye best, which is philosophical gold, and keep it always in your mouth when you walk out or any sick persons come to you. You will find strange effects of it for good and freedom of breathing, etc., as I have done. If you lie with it in your mouth without your teeth, as I do, vitzed, in one side between your cheek and gums, and so turning it sometimes on one side, sometimes on ye other. Thereafter the references to the plague are shorter. October 7. The sickness is now very hot at the next house to us one way, but hath been nearer, though none of our family hath been ill at all yet, through mercy. What with some employment on Lord's days, at other days sometimes, in the scarcity of ministers, many being dead, though more fled, I am straightened in time. At Yarmouth, Colchester, Ipswich, the sickness is very much, and now pretty much, at Norwich. Southampton is reported to be almost depopulated. October 19. We have had this week, God be praised, a very merciful abatement of ye bill of mortality, fitzed 1,849, decreased this week. Ye whole bill, being 3,219, whereof plague 2,665, but yet it doth creep into fresh houses still. Ye Lord, fit me for what is good will and pleasure is. The long trial had told upon Allen. My head acheth at ye present, he writes in his first letter of November. Again he repeats the prayer. Ye Lord, fit me for what he intends towards me. He looked at night into the vault of the heavens to read his fate. The portents boded ill. It is pitiable to realize from the next letter that the man who had lived so long in daily and intimate contact with the facts of life and death, in extreme peril himself, at the end of it all, found no peace, but must needs worry his racked nerves with vain imagings about the malign influence of the stars. His mind remained simple. Allen clearly was a fatalist, but with faith undiminished, 
the faith he held while thousands were dying around him and weary months passed in his unfruitful researches in the efficacy of the little plant if only its secret should be vouchsafed to him november eight through mercy i am yet very well though never without daily fears and truly not without cause if i either consider the will of mine own heart or yet if there be any truth in the language of the stars for mars is coming to my ascendant in my nativity which was their lord of the eighth and in my revolution this year lord of the esk and in his course of progress and regradation he will continue within the compass of my ascendant in my nativity till first july next send as much prima materia as you can get gathered in scorpio by itself if in virgo by itself november fourteen to jake it is yet dying time with us though the bill is hoped to have decreased this week november sixteen to frythe you will see a little decrease in this bill but truly god seems now in divers families to visit the second time after they have been all well six or eight weeks and fresh houses in divers places besides whole families swept away that have returned to your city already december seven some fresh houses in divers parishes are still visited besides more of them that come to town or are employed in the airing of others houses december twelfth divers persons and families at their return home to the city have met with what they fled from insomuch that i fear and hear this week's bill hath an increase i hear there is a new blazing star seen last week four or five nights together about northeast december fourteen ye sickness is now again increasing as by ye totals doth appear but yet is increased in the sickness thirty-three and wholly in the city divers fresh houses since the return of fresh persons hither visited and swept december twenty six the total of the general bill this year is of all diseases ninety seven thousand three hundred six whereof the plague sixty eight thousand five hundred ninety six the sickness we fear is still increasing this week again next year the deaths in london from all causes fell to twelve thousand eight hundred thirty eight as few persons dying in a month as had died in a day when the great plague raged if allowance be made for the many thousands of those who fled from the infection into the country the toll of the plague cannot have been less than one person out of every five who remained. End of chapter 16